It's the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Wednesday, August 23rd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content. It is wondering what the Lockdown NHL prospects, guys, think about the Flyers prospect depth. Should be interesting. We're going to get into our reaction to their take, plus your mailbag questions, all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on the app formerly known as Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on all your favorite social media apps at Sportsology. As a show, we are on that Twitter app, Instagram, Threads, and Blue Sky at Locked On Flyers as well. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL or enter promo code locked on NHL for a free white tech hat with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube or on the SiriusXM app. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Russ, uh, I got a notification that the Flyers had posted to social media, and I saw just briefly the word signed, and I was like, oh, did we get the Morgan Frost contract? No, we did not, but we did get an Oliver Bonk ELC, and uh, of course, he was our second first-round draft pick this year, a defenseman uh, from the London Knights, and you know, I'm not completely surprised. I, I feel like, again, this is a, a scenario where the the team needs to kind of prove that this was the right choice. So they're giving him the contract now. I think there's a little of that going on. But I also think, you know, they just want to get him under contract right away and, and have more of an open chance for him uh, to maybe stick with the Phantoms this year as opposed to going back to London. Well... I think there's a couple of things. I think the first thing you said makes sense. The contract slides, so I don't think he'll, you know, turn pro anytime soon. I think right. because of that, I think he'll spend even more time with London, uh, if you ask me. And and that's fine. I think that's what he needs. Uh, but anytime you, you have a CHL guy, you, you only get a short window. You don't get that big of a window. So it wasn't shocking to me. I was a little surprised they did that before Frost, but I, but I guess this was the easy one. So why not? Yep. Yep. All right. Well, Oliver Bonk is part of the Flyers prospect depth. And uh, interesting, one of the guys briefly uh, talked about by Hadi and Sebastian over from Locked On NHL Prospects. They did a whole segment on the Flyers prospects and how they think it fits in the NHL prospect depth ratings overall. They have the Flyers at 10th. And here's what they had to say coming up right now. All right, so moving on to our second segment and uh, our first team of the top 10, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers are our 10th overall prospect pool. Um, now, a couple of things explain this. First and foremost, our addition of Matvey Mishkov has greatly um, impressed the both of us and and has helped in terms of the outlook and what we think they could become, um, you know, based on who they have in the pool. Uh, for me, that addition of Mishkov at 7th overall a pure steal. Um, I'm a huge fan of what Mishkov brings, and I was extremely, extremely surprised to see him um, slip outside of the top five. When the Montreal Canadiens didn't pick him up, um, I was both disappointed and astounded because 
They had rep repetitively said that they were looking for someone whose overall combination exceeds all others, and they're looking for the highest upside player. And for me, that was certainly, certainly Matvey Mishkov. Um, you know, they had mentioned that they were looking for a player with character and uh, intensity and all that stuff. But if the skill level was high enough that it compensated for lack and lack in other areas, that they would take that pick. So for me, you know, Daniel Briere, that change, I don't think this pick happens without it. Right. I mean, he just fits the idea of what a player like Daniel Briere wants a team to look like based on the way that he played the game. Um, but, you know, we, we do have kind of our, our separate ideas of what Mishkov could become. We do have disagreements on certain elements of Mishkov's game. Um, I see his goal scoring ability as something that isn't necessarily elite. I see it as a, he has a great shot, not elite. What his, what is elite in him is his hockey sense, his his ability to flare danger. I think there's no comparable in the NHL. But I want you to talk me up on a shot because I'm still not 100% convinced that he can beat goalies clean the way he tries to all the time. I I think that he has one of the most versatile sets of releases of any prospect we've seen in the last couple of years. And I, I think it's kind of poetic that uh, a couple of years ago, the Flyers passed on Cole Caulfield and he landed in Montreal. And now the Habs yeah. passed on Mitch Gov and he landed in Philadelphia. So yeah. each team got their, got, got their dynamic sniper. But uh, yeah, Mitch shot, he, I've seen him score and get exceptional releases off of really bad angles, but also yeah. from really poor body positions. And he saves bad situations by just rifling a shot on net. Doesn't always go in, but he can create a rebound off of it because it routinely takes goalies unaware in the KHL, which is a really impressive feat. I, I do think that the gap between his goal scoring and playmaking is a lot smaller than the public may, may, may have in mind. I think yeah. that the playmaking is a really big asset and is almost as elite as the goal scoring. Mm -hmm. And while I would agree that the best tool that Mitchkov has in terms of goal scoring is his ability to find soft ice and to create opportunities for himself to get into goal scoring positions. I do also think that his finishing ability is among the best buy that we've seen in the last three drafts. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm a really big fan of his goal scoring as a whole. Uh, and I think that Philadelphia made an excellent selection with him at number seven. Absolutely. And it was really night and day between SKA and Sochi, right? I mean, you saw a completely Huge. different player. It was a massive gap. And, and, and the main thing is I saw a player in the, and in, in with SKA who was, playing with the most urgency I've ever seen any player, the most urgency and frustration I've ever seen any player play. And I understand it because he's in his draft year. He's an elite prospect and he's playing three minutes a game as a 13 forward. That has to be disappointing. So after, you know, when he's hopping on the ice and he knows that his next shift is in 10, 15 minutes, he's going to rifle everything on net and he's going to look like a headless chicken at times because he's just trying to put him, he's trying to put together a highlight reel and it's just not, it's not working out because he's playing three minutes a night. But when he moved to Sochi, when he became the centerpiece of that lineup, um, when he became their primary driver, was driving most of their expected goals, was driving most of the results. And when he knew that he was going to be back on the ice in a minute, that kind of urgency dissipated very quickly. So I'm, I'm very interested in seeing where he goes from here. He's back in SKA, I believe, um, with their MHL squad playing some friendly games. But 
and yeah, uh, Matthew Mishkov has shown his interest in coming to the NHL. Um, so I don't think Philadelphia Flyers fans have to worry about that at all. Um, so we'll see where it goes from here, but I'm fairly sure that Mishkov is going to be a very, very, very good NHLer. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where, what happens there. But there are a, a couple other prospects we want to talk about, mainly Carter Goche. I've been on and off on him. I'm having trouble kind of grasping exactly what. I like about him, but it's definitely just, I mean, he, he fits the mold of a power forward kind of bulldozer very well. He loves to crash in that. He loves to cut inside. He loves to, to push, um, to push pucks towards dangerous areas. I just see no delay in his game. Um, and I don't know how that proceeds from there. Right. Yeah. Goatsy is a player that has improved a ton in the last year and I'll give him credit for that, but still would not crack my top 15 in a redraft. Uh, that said, I think that if the Flyers can mold him into this power forward, perhaps even at center, Mm -hmm. then maybe there's something that really exciting there in terms of an impactful top six piece. There's a lot of skill. He's a strong handler. He has a really hard shot. Uh, there are some nice playmaking flashes too. Like his offensive toolkit is quite tantalizing. But Mm -hmm. as you said, there's very little delay. I don't see much patience in his game. I think he rushes plays a lot. He (laughs) takes the first option regularly rather than waiting out to see if something better arises. So I wouldn't call him a true play creator. He's not going to be the primary offensive driver. But if you're playing him with Matt Mitchkov, I think he would be exceptionally effective. So it all depends with with how Philadelphia wants to, to play him and what role they actually see him thriving in. But mm-hmm. as long as as they don't expect him to be their primary offensive driver and the a true play creator, I think mm-hmm. they're, that they're going to get a really fun, perhaps second line power forward uh, mm-hmm. out of him with first line upside with stronger tool developments and uh, a, a learning a bit stronger of a, del- of a delay game in there. Yeah. But I, I do like him as a prospect and I do think he's improved quite steadily in the last season. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we haven't even gone into guys like Tyson Forcer, who played eight games last year and scored seven points. Um, we've got guys, um, you know, like Elia Denoyer, who played some games as well. I really like their additions in this year's draft as well in the later rounds. Um, Cole Knubel and Denver Barkey look, look like two very, very good additions um, moving forward. Alex uh, Sjernik, too. Alex Sjernik, as well, is well, a fantastic guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, they added a lot of skill in the mid and late rounds. I mean, Denver Barkey... Yeah. Uh, plays quite similarly to a first to his teammate and uh, first round selection, uh, Easton Cowan. Cowan, and uh, he probably has a bit more skill, like raw skill, than Easton Cowan does. With perhaps mm-hmm. he's a little bit less translate uh, projectable and translatable, but mm-hmm. it's a really fun swing. Uh, Alex Chernik is uh, one of the most skilled players that came out of Sweden last year in terms of raw ability. He's a tremendous skater. He's a really good playmaker. And while, yeah. yes, he is stuck to the perimeter quite, quite often and he's not the most physically effective and the defensive game comes and goes, there's a nice foundation of skill there that could become a middle six productive piece. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we haven't even mentioned Devin Kaplan, who's been looking really good for Boston University. For I sure. like the progression in this game, the, the power forward elements that he's developing slowly but surely, um, and a couple of decent uh, players in um, uh, in the deep hole. Uh, namely, uh, I really like Helga Granz and Emil Andre as a uh, one-two punch uh, in that prospect pool on D. Not a big fan of Oliver Bonk. I probably would not have taken him anywhere near the first round. Uh, but time will tell with him. Uh, but that wraps things up for the Philadelphia Flyers. 
All right. So that's what Hadi and Sebastian had to say. We'll be back with our reaction to their takes coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. I look better and feel great wearing Bird Dogs shorts and pants. Their stretchy fabric make my legs look great and are comfier than any other shorts and pants. They give me the freedom to wear one pair of shorts no matter if I'm doing yard work, playing golf. Yeah, I tailgate with them. I walk my dog with them. Uh, I've worn them for long-term times, you know, car trips. They're really, really good. Bird Dog shorts are perfect for that day that I am going to go to a baseball game, you know, where I'm long-term there. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL and enter promo code LockedOnNHL for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. On Friday's show, we are going to respond to your votes on our summer poll on the most important offseason move for the new Flyers administration. Uh, excited to bring those results and talk about them then. There's a link to that poll in the show notes, so check it out. Russ, I, I think there was a really interesting conversation that Hottie and Sebastian from Locked On NHL Prospects had because I feel like maybe they were a little bit more divided than they were hinting at uh, in that segment uh, where I, I feel like that they kind of had to compromise by putting them at 10th overall, which I think is fine. I think the Flyers are kind of in that 10 to 15 range yeah, I think so too. Uh, overall in terms of quality of depth, right? Yeah. I mean, I haven't gone through where I do my own and I do it at some point, uh, usually late summer or something. So I haven't really had a chance to, to look at it myself, but on the surface seems fine. Yeah. So I, I think that it, it was first off really fascinating to hear that they were a little divided on the Mitchkoff pick that both of them think it was a really good pick to make overall. And that, um, you know, that Danny Breyer was integral to that selection. We talked about that yeah. on Monday's show with kind of rating the administration so far. Um, Hottie doesn't think that Mitch Kopp is elite and Sebastian does, which I thought was uh, a really cool thing to see them kind of debate that out. Right. I, the way I took it was, I don't know if he said he, he wasn't elite. I think he said his shot wasn't elite. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think it is. I think if you go back and look at his tournament play, when he played against the U S and others, it really was. I think you're also looking at a younger player playing in the KHL give it some time. But I do think he has an elite shot. Uh, that's just my opinion of it. So yeah, I think that's what it was more of. Yeah, it was interesting because Sebastian did mention that one of the things he liked about Mitchkoff's shot, which I think is absolutely spot on and a really interesting point, that he's able to get a shot off in really difficult situations. Yeah. And that, you know, he's not going to be on target 100% of the time because, again, they're challenging shots. But the fact that he's figuring out a way to get the shot off where some other guys might not. Right. And that's a big thing. He does have a quick release. He does um, know how to find that open ice. So, yeah, he the puck's not on his stick for long. And a lot of times he draws defenders, so he is a playmaker, too. Yeah, and that, that was another point that Sebastian made that I thought was really good because there is more balance to Mitchkoff's game than I think people talk about regularly just because of that shot, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, he he, he could do a lot of crazy things. I've seen him um, make goalies look bad on the side of the net. I've seen him have the goalies hug the post so bad they take off the net off the moorings just because they're they don't want him to 
to all of a sudden speed in and, and get that corner shot. Uh, he, on the power play, he's deadly. Like he's just, especially against his own age group, he's really deadly on the power play. Uh, but he's also very smart without the puck, and that's part of knowing where to go and what else to do when you're not involved offensively in the play. He knows, and that's something that's instinctual for him. I don't think either guy was talking about that too much. I think they just focused on the offense, but that's an important thing in his game, another fat asset. Absolutely. Um, I thought the conversation about Cutter Gautier was also fascinating. And I'm just curious, like before I say anything, like what did you think about their assessment of Cutter Gautier? Okay. So like the first thing is he's really not a true power forward in the definition of a power forward. He, he's not because he's really not one that's going to go into corners and elbow you and, and, and grab the puck. So I think from that perspective, I can't call him a true power forward. Uh, he is going to be a guy that drives play. Uh, I think he's going to end up doing it off the wing, but whether it's for off the wing or at center, he can do it. Uh, he will have a great shot. He already does. Uh, there's there's a few things there that I think, I think I'd like to see them watch Gauthier a little bit more to kind of, you know, see if what they're saying really does parse out. Yeah, I thought it was um, interesting the way they character characterized him as a power forward, because I think you're right there in that, at least in the games I've watched him in, he's really like his bread and butter is more on the rush and then puck cycling yeah. as opposed to like the physicality of the corners. Right. Like he's going to be part of that that cycling, especially, you know, with those top guys on the development program team yeah. who can just move the puck wherever they want at will. He's been like part of that. And I don't know that he's had to get as dirty in the corners just because of the quality of, of everybody around him. Um, where I, where I do agree with what they were saying to some degree is that the flyers have to be very specific in terms of how they use him. And I, I think that is definitely the case. I think that they do have to like really figure out if they want to develop him as a center or as a wing um, once he makes the jump over to the Flyers, at least to start off with, maybe he can switch later. But just in terms of getting his confidence going at the pro level, they really do need to be specific there. Yeah. So, you know, one of my disagreements with the uh, with the guys is, and whoever said it, uh, if he's a second liner with upside, I need more explanation as to why you think he's a second liner because. You know, nobody's drafting somebody fifth overall with the hopes that they're going to be a second liner. Let's let's start there. Uh, I don't think he's a second liner. I, I don't even think. He, now, if you're going to say he's a second liner because they use him at center, second line. OK, maybe to start. Um, but still, the expectation is that he is a top liner. He's been a top liner his whole life. And there's no reason to see that to think that he can't do that at the NHL level. So I I don't know where that comes from i don't know why yeah i mean he may end up being a second liner in college this year just sure. because of the nature of who's on the team with him but i don't think that'll drastically change the minutes for him no it's only if, if he's going to play center he's going to be a second liner because will smith is just going to be better but if he's not going to play center he's probably a top liner again so it really yep. does depend on that and i think that's a big deal um as far as with the flyers too so yeah, I think I think Gauthier is 
another one of these really skilled, bigger guys that is more of a play driving forward than, you know, a power forward. And I think we're seeing more of those guys and those guys are valuable, really valuable. I, mean, I yep. think that's where his value lies. Yeah, I think so too. And then as far as, you know, other guys that they mentioned, as far as the overall strength of the prospect pool, um, I liked that they talked about Tyson Forrester and Elliot Denoyer um, mm -hmm. as, you know, developing nicely. The fact that they gave Devin Kaplan a shout out was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, and because I, I don't know in my little flyers bubble if I'm noticing him more, but the fact that they did, I thought um, said a lot. Uh, and, you know, they like Emil Andre, of course, uh, and they, they also like Telge Grans. Um, I believe it was Hottie that mentioned him and, uh, which I think he'll be an interesting plot twist in uh, camp this year. Yeah. It's really how you're going to use him because again, if you're going to use him with the hopes that he's an offensive defenseman, he's probably going to put up similar numbers to Travis Sanheim and sort of disappoint you in that way. If that's the way you're looking at him, if you're just looking at him as like a puck moving guy, fine. He's really good at that. He can do that. Uh, like I talked about on when they acquired him, his, his getting shots to the net has not been great and really fell off last year. So that's something where we have to see if he could rebound with that. I mean, again, he's a work in progress. So, I don't look at him as highly right now. I, I Even though he's 21 and there's de definitely time for him to figure out a role in this league, he's kind of like an incomplete for me right now. Yeah. And then um, looking at the rest of their conversation, um, I think, you know, it was mostly about this year's draft class, um, which they were very high on overall, especially those mid late round picks. Of course, they love the Mitchkov pick. Um, didn't necessarily like the Oliver Bonk pick and didn't think that he was a, a first rounder. So, of course, he gets a ZLC right as we're doing this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so I think that that's um, a, a real interesting part of, of their assessment. And I think that, you know, overall, uh, I think they felt positively about the Flyers depth with just like a few question marks here and there. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, again, um, you know, the Flyers Russian player, Sierranik, I haven't seen enough of him. I'm not Sierranik, I'm Russian, I'm Czech. I've seen him in international play, but I haven't seen enough of him to say that I think he could be a middle six guy yet. I, I like his gumption and his whole story and and everything else, but I have to see a lot more of him. Um, to be able to give that kind of projection on him. So, uh, and Denver Barkey, I've got to see healthy. Like we, you know, we're, I, I'm, I'm going to start to worry about him if he starts getting injured in season, because we didn't get to see much of him at all. Uh, as far as after the draft and, you know, in the game and all that. So we have to see, I mean, I hope he's not going to be one of those guys that has an injury bug. He, you know, again, he had one great season in London the season before was a shortened season, wasn't a full season. So we really don't know what Denver Barkey is. We just know he had a really good season. So again, I'm not willing to project on him just yet. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, we'll see how it turns out for us uh, versus what they had to think, uh, had to say about Flyers prospect depth. 
you all had a lot to say out there uh, and our mailbag where we'll answer your questions is coming up next. All right, looking at our mailbag questions, uh, Joel actually uh, sent us a note uh, about our reclamation project options that we talked about a little ways back and brought up the name Ali Giolevi, uh, who's a Finnish player, who's a, a UFA right now, um, was drafted by Vancouver originally, but has traveled around a little bit. I, I don't know that that he's somebody that the Flyers would be looking out for. Um, you know, had a, a contract where he played in San Diego for the Gulls last year and, and did okay. Um, I just don't know if he's like going to be a guy that's going to get back to the NHL level, at least this year. Yeah, I really liked Olio Levy back in the day. Um, there was talk he maybe had like a gaming addiction. And so was spending too much time gaming and it, and it cut into sleep and other things. Uh, whether that's true or not, it seems to be there seems to be some smoke there. His play has just fallen off to the point where I, I wouldn't even bother. Uh, he there was a time and I don't think the time is there anymore for him. I think so, too. And, you know, his results in San Diego were fine, but they were definitely AHL level results that didn't really show any indication that he would get an NHL opportunity. Uh, Mario wants to know if a head coach decides to play 11 forwards and seven defensemen. Gee, who's done that recently? Um, how does he juggle the forward lines? Uh, does he roll his top three lines and introduce a fourth line player into one of those lines every now and again? Or does he take the player from the top three and double shift him on the fourth line? Torts does the double shifting thing um, and gives and gives that fourth line very minimal minutes yeah. so that the double shifting doesn't eat up too much clock. He does. He definitely does that. Um, but again, it is gauged on personnel and the personnel's changed. So we have to see what happens this year with the personnel. That's going to be the biggest difference. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but I, you know, I'm not going to put it past him to do this again because he seems to like to do it and then no, uh, maybe throw Nick, Se Nick Sealer yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, in, as you like to mention. Oh, yeah. He likes it. No question about it. Yeah. Ryan had a couple of questions, and I thought two of them were interesting. Um, one of them is a, a suggested line for the future of Gautier, Mitchkoff, and Forrester. I don't think that would happen. Um... For one thing, I'm not sure Forrester is a top liner. Like he still has things to prove to me. Uh, I still need to be see better foot speed. He's going to have to be the bona fide scorer that we think he's going to be if he's going to be a top liner. And then you're now asking him. See, the problem here is you don't want Mitchkov to be a pure playmaker here. You don't. And I don't know who the center is going to be because Mitchkov's playing center now. Yeah, who's the disher in this situation? Because right. they're all shooters, right. right? So that's that's why I don't think we're ever going to see it. Yeah, I could see two. Like I could see Gautier and Mitchkov on the same yes. line if Gautier is at center here. Either or. I, I mean, again, Mitchkov's playing center this year for for now, anyhow, in training camp. So either or. That's why I'm saying one or the other. That's fine. They both know how yeah. to take faceoffs. That's fine. Those two checks out. Right. I think so too. Um, also had sort of a process question can the flyers call up anyone on the phantoms roster or some ineligible 
uh, are some strictly phantoms property or career minor league? Yeah, the answer is yes. It depends on the contract. So it's not yeah. Right. So some players have a two way contract right. where you can call them up or yes. send them up and down. Um, some people just have an AHL contract. Now, if you just have an AHL contract, it actually acts, I think, as a de facto two way contract with the ECHL, yeah. um, where some guys can get they still have guaranteed salaries, I believe, but they can get sent down right. to the ECHL. I think you're right about that. Not 100 percent, though. And then uh, our last question, should one of the Flyers' goals be to end up in the top five of this year's draft? I think it has to be. I think you want the players to develop and you let Torts go full board at the beginning. But like any GM, if you're winning too much at the deadline, make a few trades, make a few adjustments, lose a little bit more down the stretch. You want to be in the top five. Again, if you're not... You end up like 10 or 11. Now you're sort of risking just being one of those teams that, you know, is always drafting like 8 or 12, and you get really good players, but you may not get that player. And they need a few of that player. Even even Goche and Mitchkov is not enough to say that's going to fuel a championship team. You need more these days. Yeah, I think so too. All right, that will do it for today's show. Uh, as a reminder, if you want your question answered on the show, you can uh, send us a note via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail or comment over on YouTube. We'll be back on Friday with those summer poll results that we talked about earlier. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.